From Animal Media, this is Tech on Politics, the podcast that lives at the intersection of technology and politics. I'm your host, Tom Saris. Pia Mancini is one of the founders of the Net Party, a political party headquartered in Argentina. She is also co-founder of Democracy OS, a platform designed to increase participation in the democratic process. Democracy OS evolved to become one of the most used platforms for collaborative decision-making and has been translated into 15 languages. It's been used in Tunisia to debate the national constitution, by the federal government of Mexico to develop their own open government policy, and in Kenya by the youngest parliamentarian to consult his constituency. Pia's goal is to pioneer the democracy of the 21st century. Her TED Talk, How to Upgrade Democracy for the Modern Era, got over a million views. She is currently involved in efforts to port Democracy OS system to a number of different countries. Pia, thanks for joining us on Tech on Politics. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Happy to be here. This past presidential election, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Donald Trump won the Electoral College. That still hurts when I hear it. We saw something similar in 2000 when Al Gore won the popular vote and Bush won the Electoral College. There's been an enormous amount of debate of the past several decades about the flawed nature of this system. Basically, the winners are fine with the system and the losers aren't. Pia, talk to me about Democracy OS. How did you get started? Uh, How might your technology and things like liquid democracy address these kinds of issues? And do you think we need a new system to address modern-day democracy? All right, so I'll start from the beginning. We started in 2012 in Argentina, in Buenos Aires, to be more specific. And we we, we were feeling, it was during the sort of right after the um, Arab Spring and the Green Revolution and Movimiento uh, 15M, Yo Soy 132 in Mexico, the protests in Chile. The reading we made of what we were seeing was that the political system and the current democratic institutions simply weren't enough. Here we were seeing millions of people taking on the streets, saying that they wanted their voices to be heard, feeling that voting once every couple of years wasn't close to enough, wasn't the kind of input they wanted to have on the system. And so we started thinking, okay, there's clearly something that it's out of sync here, the way we are sort of organizing ourselves as networks, um, networks that are liquid, that are fluid, that are not territorial, internet allowed for all of that to happen. But the nature of our political system is still very territorial. It's fixed, it's rigid. It doesn't cope with change very well. The only way to change the system is normally through large crises. Thinking about how we could use technology to open up this political system that was closed on itself and only listening to itself, we build a software that is Democracy OS, that is an open source decision-making platform, and we pair it with a political party, the Net Party. And the reason we did this was because what we needed to do was play with the rules of the game, get into the system, but with a radical new way of making decisions. So at the core of our political party, we carried this software and, and the public commitment to always vote in Congress according to what citizens decided on this online platform. And this was a part of the net party that you helped co-found alongside 
the Democracy OS. Correct. So both aspects were sort of two parts of the same proposal. We need new political parties that are able to engage with existing political parties, but that they bring at their core a completely new way of making decisions. So it was a way of of rewiring the system from from within. And again, this was in Argentina, right? We started in Argentina, yes. So Argentina is a funny place because there's a lot of innovation. There's actually a lot of innovation. A lot, a lot, absolutely. And, and I think that the reason is that we live in constant crisis. Um, mm. So the costs of innovating are very low. When, mm. when everything moves at the rhythm that it moves in Argentina and the crises are as strong and, and, and deep as they are in Argentina, um, so it really lowers your ability to bring about new ideas. Which is why a lot of people keep their money in Bitcoin. Absolutely. So Argentina now has would be around 40% inflation per year. That look on the face, imagine someone who has pesos. <laughs> you know? And so Bitcoin, it's, you know, it's a very safe currency for us. <laughs> it's easy in comparison. So now I understand that Democracy OS has evolved. It's now Democracy right. Earth? Yeah, right. Democracy OS tried and still does, and I think it's, again, it's a very valid strategy, to sort of shift pieces in, in, in the same board within the same system. And I think what Democracy Earth tries to do is to build a new system. Democracy Earth, what we what we propose is to stop thinking about the nation state as the only political um, unity, um, as the only jurisdiction where governance, currency, political institutions in general are defined. It requires that we think about a new jurisdiction, a new political jurisdiction, that is the internet and networks. And by allowing only the nation states to mediate our voices, it means that a lot of people are being left outside of the conversation, have absolutely no power. So a very good example is climate change. So climate change probably hits the hardest in those areas where the people that live um, there do not have a voice. We are allowing for those voices to be mediated by non-democratic governments. And I think that we need to stop that. Our claim is having a voice, being able to to participate cannot be an accident of birth. What we are doing is rethinking representation, moving it from a territorial representation that is vertical, you know, several stacks away from the people, the Electoral College being the perfect example of this, right? Uh, so moving from that to a type of representation that is horizontal, that is fluid, um, that floats and emerges social leadership, and that it's non-territorial by design. You're now the probably maybe third or fourth guest I've interviewed that has specifically addressed or talked or said something about the nation state and the change and the shift in how we think about the nation state. And that's a, that's a novel idea that I don't think many in the uh, maybe an older generation are actually really thinking about. We live in an online world. We live in a, in a global world. And with things like blockchain and smart contracts and, you know, which I understand is some of the underlying technology yep. behind Democracy Earth, you've mm -hmm. really invested in this smart contract, which, you know, is probably some of the most mind-blowing technology <laughs> <laughs> that I've had the opportunity to be around. I think around. that blockchain is, it's beautiful for this because the idea of liquid democracy means that everyone can be a representative, mm. right? Everyone can um, be trusted 
with someone else's vote, someone else's power for a specific issue for a certain period of time. And that's like a proxy. Yeah, exactly. So I can say, like, I'm going to trust you with my vote for issues regarding, you know, the environment and someone else for issues regarding healthcare. They don't need to be Argentinian or American or, you know, it just, it just doesn't make sense in my mind that we are restricted in the way we allocate trust by the territory. In the 21st century, that absolutely blows my mind that we still think in those terms. Um, well, especially, you know, I was trying to do some research on the Electoral College. Like, why does it exist? Mm-hmm. What is it? And there's all sorts of different reasons that on the Internet and... Um, trying to sort of piece through who's right and what's wrong and where it makes sense. But there was one opinion that was like, well, you know, the Electoral College is actually based on slavery because of this three-fifths law back in when when the Constitution was written Mm. that slaves were rolled into a population count, not fully three-fifths versus Mm. one whole human, essentially, Mm. right? and essentially what that meant is the states with slaves had more electoral votes. And I, I don't, I'm don't, i not an expert in constitutional law by any stretch of the imagination. And certainly there's also, oh, well, it's small states versus big states. Either way, the whole concept seems archaic in a digital world. Yeah, absolutely. With or without the Electoral College, the representative democracy system was the best possible innovation that could happen at the time that it did with the technology that they had at the time. I think that's a fair argument. Yeah, but my whole point is that political institutions are not created in a void. They respond to a certain technology, a certain set of beliefs, a certain economic organization, education, social organization, and that changed radically. And we are not responding to that accordingly, I think. And so I think that the road ahead has to be one where we build an alternative system on a level of the stack, you know, on top of the nation state, like a browser, without saying that the nation state is going to disappear, but it's certainly going to be less important. We need to be able to challenge the monopoly of the nation state as the ultimate political unity. So let's rewind for a second. I want because you had a, that was a really profound thought a browser on a nation state. Let's talk about that for right. me because that's like the Mist browser or something on yeah. the Ethereum or a client or parody or yeah, whatever so, it is that so, these guys are building. So the, the, the logic of the browser was that it didn't really matter what sort of uh, operating system is behind. This is the same interface for... So I'm not saying that nation states should stop to exist. I'm just saying we need to build uh, protocols and and mm. platforms, but especially protocols on top of the nation state. Protocols and platforms on top of the nation state. Wow, that's so cool. Right, that that allows for networks to organize as units of power, networks of people that are not territorial, that give themselves the political institutions and the governance arrangements that they want. It's like we are not allowed to choose how we want ourselves to be governed anymore. And I reject that profoundly. I, I think that we own our political institutions. Yes, we inherited a set of political institutions that is called, in the best case, the representative democracy. But in the worst case, we've, we've inherited really flawed political institutions. I come from Latin America. Oh, sure. <laughs> right? So, so sort of the, it's like the bad version of democracy. We've inherited that 
it's true, but that doesn't mean that we are bound to it forever. And so my point and what I would what I, I strive for and try to encourage is for us to be able to remove ourselves from the water and see the water. Cryptocurrencies are doing a great job because there's nothing I think that would hurt the nation state the most as refusing to use its currency. Well, and you know what's most interesting about a lot of these decentralized networks and blockchains and decentralized apps, they're not controllable. Right. If you release a decentralized app into the world on top of the Ethereum virtual machine, it's it's exactly. out of control. Yeah. It somebody else owns no one person thing or person. It's too late. Yeah. The government can't stop it. They have to shut down the internet. Yeah. So that's the idea of the browser, right? The browser. And I may not even stop them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, Andreas Antonopoulos says this very well. When you choose a currency, you're choosing a set of values attached to that currency. And so... Interesting. Be, yeah, right? So wow. and, and being able to choose the cryptocurrency or the currency that you want to use it's a way of speaking. It's a way of telling the world what you believe. And so we are still all choosing fiat currency. We're not moving. Well, and even certain types of fiat currency. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And because controlling currency, it's controlling the lives of those who you're forcing. So maybe because I come from Argentina and, and because we were forced to only have a currency, we couldn't exchange the peso at the worst of the inflation process. Um, so the fact that we were stuck with a currency absolutely curtailed our liberties, right? We were forced by a government to use a currency that was inflationary, that kept devaluating. And so being able to choose something else says a lot about the values that you have and that you want to sort of bring into the world. So I think that... Um, hmm. The different cryptocurrencies, I'm not, I'm not interested in getting into which one, but all of them, tools like Democracy Earth, where I can effectively choose anyone in the world to be my representative. That's really interesting. I mean, I guess, you know, when you, I never really thought about the concept of a cryptocurrency being a statement of value or values. Um, but, and, you know, if you think about the US dollar, it literally says, in God we trust. Exactly. Exactly. That's, there is significant statements of value yeah. baked into yeah. that U.S. dollar fiat currency. Yeah. Bitcoin is obviously a set of values. Yeah. Ether. Ether. It's a different. Zcash, yeah. right? Exactly. All, all these different altcoins are actually truly are. Different set of values. They're value and, statements. And, and, and again, it's like it shouldn't be an accident of where we're living. Yeah. Wow. That's wrong. <laughs> wow. and, and thinking about it in those terms, I think, moves the debate to a completely new realm where we can experiment. We're moving to the fringes. And it's fine because innovation happens in the fringes. That's why political institutions are so, so slow at innovating. It's because they're banked, they're dead in the, in the middle, they're everything. So the costs of innovating are huge. Do you think we're going to see most of this innovation happening in developing countries first before we ever see it happen in established? Abs absolutely. Hmm. I think, again, and it, at least from um, my experience, I think the cost of innovating in a more or less functional country, <laughs> more or less functional, they're quite big because the, your losses are pretty big. I think that this kind of extremely radical innovation, it's going to come from 
people in places where they have a lot more to win by doing it wow. and not a lot to lose. Wow. And I think it's time to um, fight and defend those those rights because we are talking about basic human rights, but it's also time to be brave in thinking alternatives and designing alternatives. And the tools are there. We need to make them more friendly. Yes, for sure. We need to make them more accessible, of course. Um, we need to um, not be elitist and snob about it, 100%. Um, but but it, the, for me, the time is now. There wasn't a better time to start doing this than today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, technology is power. Politics is power. Technology is politics then? Well, Pia Mancini, <laughs> <laughs> the founder of, or one of the founders of the Net Party, co-founder of Democracy OS, which is now Democracy Earth and the Open Collective. You can watch her TED Talk online at TED.com, I'm sure, how to upgrade democracy to the modern era and become one of many millions of people who have already watched it. Pia, thank you so much for coming on our show today. It was a true pleasure having you today. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Enjoy it. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Tech on Politics is produced by Animal Media, with Bettina Warburg as executive producer and content production from Gina Delbach. You can follow this show on Twitter at Tech on Politics. I'm your host, Tom Saris. 